Absurdism. Welcome to season two of Personal Pan, a puncast. We're beer, we're queer. Tell your friends. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure in the beer thing. I mean, I'm pretty yeasty, not to lie, but not all yeast should be made in beer. Look, but I do rice for the occasion. We do need some culture. Uh-huh. Okay. Think about yeast; it'll grow on you. Welcome to season two of Personal Pan. Our first episode of the season, technically episode 13 of the podcast. Woo! Welcome to 2019, season 2. This episode, Africa by Toto. Sadly, this episode is not sponsored by a metal band trying to cover Africa by Toto, but we have dreams. We can make it happen. So, uh, to give you a little bit of context, uh, this episode is going to be centered around uh, not just the song Africa by Toto. But on two topics, as we do every time here. So if it was just joining us, Personal Pan comes at you every month. And we have two uh, toppings on a theme each month with a segment in the middle. Uh, Today's episode, we'll be talking about comfort media and self-care. Yep. And then for our second half, we'll be talking about uh, the optimism of absurdity. But before we get to that second half, we'll also have a segment in the middle we call Drink Piece, where we search a random news article on Bing. Yes, Bing. And we wildly speculate for a few minutes on what the headline is without having any context on it. Which is my life 85% of the time. Roll. (laughs) Roll indeed. Um, So let's go ahead and kick it off. Just to give a context for why we're doing this episode, Dan, your co-host, and Ivy, your other co-host. Yeah, we didn't introduce ourselves at the beginning, but here's the default. There's two people. We're locked in a closet. Relatively Mm -hmm. locked. I'm locked in a closet. We're not locked. You're just covered in coats, like a David S. Pumpkin suit. Yeah, Darren, I got David S. Pumpkins riding on my shoulder right now. Uh, he believes in you. You and me, and me and you, potting together. Anyway, self-care. Uh, and just for context, for those who don't know the phenomenon behind it, Africa by Toto is a bit of a meme that's been floating around for a while. It is a song called Africa by the band Toto. Also has a good cover by Weezer. But it's the idea that when life gets you down, things get so crazy and stressful, and we're going to have whole other episodes on that, you just kind of put your hands up and say, Alexa, play Africa by Toto. I'm waiting for your Alexa to start playing that in the background, but yeah. And that's going to be playing in the background here, um, but it's muffled, so fair use, hopefully. Anyways, moving on. This is We're not a song... making a profit off of this, so it doesn't matter. This is a song you play, particularly among millennials, when you kind of lose control of your life and don't know what's going on. So you decide <sighs> just to play a certain almost random song that just brings you ab- joy through absurdity. Oh God, and that's why for the first section of this episode, I was going to contain her laughter as Africa plays in the other room. <laughs> and you're going to talk about media that comforts us, um, that brings us together. Um, because sometimes you're, like us, living in Chicago in the middle of a snowstorm. Two days from now, it'll be negative 50 degrees Fahrenheit. That's with wind chill, though. With wind chill. 
sorry, it's only going to be negative 20 before wind chill. Yeah, that's important to notate. Um, this is the classic thing. If you get home, you take a bath, you might listen to a certain song, or there's all sorts of little things you can do. Yeah, the whole purpose is to be consuming some form of media to invoke calmness or joy or some degree of content. I think, like, through millennials and even younger generations like Gen Z, that's a lot more prevalent through media consumption versus just, like, reading a book or meditating and stuff like that. Um, God, this music is playing in the background. It's so fun. Don't, don't acknowledge it. Just enjoy it. No. We were in a pretty much prime time in which we had the transition between, like, of, like, the t- transition between, like, not a lot of internet consumption to peak, more or less right now. consumption Like, a hyper-consumption of media. Um, and I think, like, good and bad with that, I would say, like, one of the good things about it is that there's been a lot of sharing, con- like, not consciousness, but, like shared joy over content that is being made like for example vine r.i.p pour one out for vine vine will come back someday in our hour of most need go on but like having vine or like having like meme compilations or like stuff like that that just everyone is consuming it at the same time they're absorbing it at the same time or like within like a certain because everything goes in waves of consumption because my tone is playing in the background um, but because, you know, there's, like, that unified front of, if this makes me laugh, it's probably going to make someone else laugh. Um, and I think, to me, that's why I enjoy it so much, is because I've definitely had these thoughts, whether it's, like, internalized or not, and I'm happy someone else has those similar thoughts, and I just find some degree of joy of, like, I don't feel as isolated. True. And I think a broader point, too, is it doesn't have to always just be funny. Yeah. Uh, comfort media to me is where you feel home and return back to. So usually it is a TV show or a book that you can kind of just settle into. I know a lot of folks find that for The Office. I feel that that show hasn't aged the best sometimes. I'm more of a Parks and Rec kind of guy. Yeah, I, but like it's the, I think it's very much of a, a nostalgic millennial concept that started with us. Certainly. I think part of it is just returning to something you know you enjoy, that you don't have to think too much about. That is relatively wholesome. Yeah. Um, and it is u- interesting because in this age where we're almost trying to combat boredom. Yeah, I I think that's just because we've been we're, there's like that hyper consumption that you know we're surrounded in that like I think it's important to space you know what we're consuming through media wise whether that's being on the internet or the news blah 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 blah. So it's like for me like I have I set restrictions for myself. Not because I don't want to enjoy those things, but it's because I recognize that it will stress me out. Like, when people talk about Game of Thrones, I'm like, I've watched it, but it's not, like, something I have to be glued to the TV about. But everyone makes that presentation of, like, if you don't watch this show or you don't consume this specific thing, you're missing out. And, you know, I think Africa by Toto, other meme things are, like, if it's something that you can consume at your own pace, it's much more relaxing than having to consume in that moment all the time, every single second, every single day. True. And I think you actually touched on a good point of the meme culture tends to be a bit more supportive because with things like Game of Thrones... I wouldn't say supportive. I would Sorry. say... Because there's a lot of shit fucking memes out true. there. True. True, true, true. What, what I want to try to get to here is... We mentioned Game of Thrones, which is popular culture. Right. Right. And people can feel left out if they're not part of that popular culture. Right, because you don't have, you know, when people go, like, let's talk at the water cooler about the show that we saw the other day, 
oh, did you see the most recent Games of Thrones episode? It Like, the last season's coming out. But it's yeah. like, if you're not, if you did not consume that in real time... You, you feel have, like you're on the outside. Right, you have missed and that, though. the point I want to make here is that on the reverse, certain memes and certain subcultures, yes, can be exclusionary and are problematic. Incredibly problematic. But what I'm referring to is Von Complexes, for instance. Or certain trending memes. If somebody doesn't understand what you're talking about, there's not the expectation there because it's not quite popular culture. Right. It is a subculture. Yeah. Now, I, the content itself, that's a separate yeah, discussion. I mean, but if you try to explain a meme to somebody and they don't get it, yeah, that onus is on you, not them. No, but Dan, Whereas popular culture, there can be a different interaction where it's like, oh, you don't know what Game of Thrones is? What are you doing? Why aren't you watching it? Okay, but Dan, I had to explain to 95% of my gym buddies this morning what don't at me means and do you know how hard, it is so hard to explain it it's not it's it's not like you're tagging someone it's just saying like you found something that is just like so pinpoint and like direct at that person that they feel not attacked but like exposed in a way and it's like it's i'm not saying it's hard to explain you just have to use a very you have to word everything very carefully because it could be taken in a negative context or it can be taken in an overly positive context. And I think that's something that millennials are that like that branching generation between underconsumption and hyperconsumption of media. Not underconsumption, but like different consumption of like internet media. True. So it's like our responsibility, not like oh total responsibility, but to like say, there is this meme here are some aspects of it but here are the bad aspects here are the good aspects and i think that's our responsibility to explain it because it's like you could have someone that doesn't understand a lot of the it is social culture whether or not we mm-hmm. want to recognize it or not but yeah. it's social culture of like if you are not aware of how problematic or how non-problematic it is you you could fall into a trap um type of thing and i think that's something that we'd have to explain definitely worthwhile yeah. Now let's go ahead and take the conversations a little bit more towards comfort media directly. Uh huh. So we're having a broader media discussion. And I like it, but <laughs> right. Well, I mean, we got four or five minutes. Let's roll. Don't let the listeners know we're actually keeping track of things. Let's roll. Um, well, the other what, thing- what do you find comfort through media, memes, and music? We're gonna we'll, we'll start off with that platform. What I really find helpful is having a few go-to songs or feelings that I know that I can just blast just for a short amount of time because there's kind of those little injections of comfort media you need versus settling in right so i know that there's certain movies that i will watch to comfort myself like if i have a night i'll just watch pacific rim because it's one of my favorite movies and i'll just settle in i'm not gonna have any problems i might even take a nap during it but like that's my like zen like comfort zone right on the other hand if i just need to like if i am making a cup of tea and i know i only have like five minutes tops and I'm going to go back to a very stressful day at work I toss the tea bag in my cup I go into basically a closet at my office and then I blast September by Earth, Wind and Fire and kind of just dance a little bit in the darkness because that is what I need and it kind of just helps me zone out for a second and I think it's interesting because it's a comforting song to me it's a happy song but the intensity in which I give it just makes me have kind of a, almost a bit of a whiplash when I get back to my day to day because just having that juxtaposition helps mm-hmm. yeah I mean like my my take on comfort media is is different in this own in like in its own way sure. like I like my brain is always going like a thousand miles an hour and my mouth is going like a hundred yes 
or like my motor skills are going around 100. So like I use media in order to like distract one aspect of my brain while the other one can focus in. Got so it. like I'll have documentaries playing in the background when I'm at work. I'm not really paying to the documentaries, but it's having that but having audio. that background white noise in a way. Yeah, I mean like it's not white noise, but it's just like some like it's information I'm not going to like fully process. It's going to just be like it's in and it's out type of thing. Music for me like gets a little bit too distracting. So like I need like some kind of dialogue just for me music is just a distraction in that mm-hmm. process. Um so the difference between documentary and music then is you'll pay attention to music, but not the documentary. Not, no. With music, it's that music will pull me away from the environment that I need to be, stay very present with. Okay. Documentaries is just, for all I know, it could just be something that's going on in the background, and I can just ignore that. Like, at night, like, actively ignoring it, but it's just, I'm not actively paying attention to Got it. Got it, yeah. I cannot, like, my office is so quiet and i cannot handle that so it's like i have the choice between that is helpful to know either dead silence music that might pull me away from my my train of thought or my focus because it's like you know now focusing on what's happening on this musical track either because it's like oh this is really jammy i'm gonna dance for a moment or for whatever reason a documentary playing in the background where it's not there's not a lot of usually not a lot of action happening it's typically most just interviews um, and there might be some music involved, but it's not going to be something that's going to distract me too much. Okay, that makes uh, a lot more sense. Yeah, and I mean, like, I don't do very well with watching TV shows. Like, I I cannot sit down for 30 minutes to watch a show. Mm-hmm. It's like when people are going, like, you should watch Parks and Rec. I, I did it, but it took me way longer than anyone really anticipated because I'm like, I can do 10 minutes and then I have to do something else because it's just... Which is a lot more common for a lot more folks. I, it's just I cannot sit down and just binge like a documentary I think is different for me just once again because it's not like I don't have to guess what the next steps are it's just it's going to be more you can settle if it's in a, you can see the format yeah and if it's a good documentary it's going to call, like walk you through it it's not here's this person's drama this person's drama this person's story this person that's, just, that's too fucking much for and me. definitely with a snappier show like that mm-hmm. you can maybe kind of feel that need to follow along with every beat does that make sense it, that's not yeah. why, but yes. Okay. One question I do have then mm-hmm. is you mentioned documentaries, helpful. Yep. Music, not so much. What about more ambient music? Like I lo-fi, chill, hip-hop no. beats? No. Really? Okay. No, because that just does not... Because I need something that has not action to the point of distraction, but there needs to be some degree of activity. The lo-fi, hip-hop, I like it, but it's not what I need to use when I'm focusing at work. Okay. If I'm chilling at home and like I'm reading and I'm just like chilling, like not having to focus on something, that's fine. That's like ambient noise for me. But if it's, I have to focus on something, I need something in the background with some degree of activity that's not making me feel drowsy. Got it. Okay. Because I differ in this and I seek that out when I know that I'm feeling stressed or need some comfort is just having that and then looking at an Excel sheet can be very centering to me yeah that's not for me no fair enough i'd rather watch have like the blackfish documentary going on in the background when i'm going through people's taxes interesting i'm sure that's what they intended for (laughs) right and i know like that's not everyone's thing that might be but that's the thing is it's it's your own thing right and it might not yeah it might be in itself very odd but that's just like how i'm able to stimulate my brain to the point that it's not distracted true 
Well, I think it's a pretty good coverage of comfort media. I think Damn. I also totally want some more of that kombucha. So let's get pouring and get that, ready for our next segment. That vooch. Drink piece. On this month's episode of Drink Peace, Slurping by Ivy. <laughs> but in ASMR. earnest... ASMR! <laughs> my style. The worst ASMR aside, we are going to go ahead and... Some people are down for slurping. I, I'm not going to go here nor there for that. Instead, I'm going to go to Bing News, the hottest source for all your information. And Ivy, let's pick a random number. Since we're episode 13, how's 13 sound? Feel lucky? Yeah. I mean, my lucky number is 16, but 13 is close enough. Well, it's lucky you can get on Ding. All right, so article number 13 on Ding. Houston. Article in the New York Times. Should scientists toy with the secret to life? No. Here, okay, okay, okay. Let's back up for a moment. Should scientists toy with the secret to life? No. New York Times. No, and here's why I'm stating this. When we started recognizing that we could do genetic modifications, so when we did the Human Genome Project, um, and even before that, scientists got together and said, let's not fuck this up and make our own rules and ethical boundaries. Okay. Like, this was a convention that happened in the 1900s, which, I mean, like, admittedly, that sounds long ago, was not fucking that long ago, where this, the scientists all agreed, this could go into a very eugenics problem. There was an agreement of, like, no gene modification. Yeah. And it's, like, that's before the movie Gattaca came out, like, significantly before that. And we don't we don't want Gattaca to happen. We don't. I love Jude Law. Gattaca doesn't want Gattaca to happen. Exactly. I love Jude Law, but I recognize that, like, that's, that's some elitist bullshit that I don't think anyone really... Like, we do not need to add that to our problem. So when it's, like, the secrets to li- secret to life... Is it, are you talking about making sure people can get pregnant when they initially couldn't? For example, I will never get pregnant. No, I don't want that secret. I don't want to be like, start lighting some sage up in here. I want to dig into this a lot more. Right. First, I've read this a way different way. Oh, you, how did you read it? Well, there's a way I read it originally and there's there's a much more fun idea I had. Uh Uh-huh. The way I read this was just like a general pop psych happiness idea. Should scientists play with figuring out a way to prescribe the secret to life? Is there some axiom we should all follow? Something basic like that. So you mean like... This is a New York Times opinion piece. I figured it'd be a bit more fluffy and like more soft like that. I love what you're doing with genetics. So... so And let me follow up with one more thing though. Okay. Because the second you mentioned that, my idea changed. Oh no. And we got to get on the pun level here. Uh Uh-huh. So scientists are coin with the secret to life. This is how Toy Story happens. And oh, how Jesus. they give life to toys. So You are a toy. And that's the secret to life. It kind of borders on the iRobot situation. Or like the Uncanny Valley. Great and sentience? Right. Because that's what toy, like, toy, the toys in Toy Story are just sentient beings that were not gestated inside a womb. True. Also, or an some, egg. I don't, like, I'm not gonna... There are some crazy theories of Toy Story lore that we're not gonna get into. You know what? That's something that I'm okay that I've never read on the internet, and I'm gonna keep it that way. There's things on the internet that I've read in my life that are like, we're just gonna close that chapter and the secret to and life is to not into, look at those things. Yeah, push that into the fire. And want to continue living life. Exactly. But, like, <laughs> that concept is kind of getting close to the iRobot of where, like, You've created a robot, but now they start having thoughts and feelings as a human, and you have to reconcile the fact of, like, is a robot alive, 
in the concept of it has a soul or is a robot just prescribed and assuming as though it's alive it is acting it has action it has processing but does that mean it's alive true and also i think it's important on your earlier point talking more about genetics and the secrets to creating life right you can also go on a separate more kind of astronomical standpoint of should you what are the billion blocks of life what could exist out there more broadly right but i think the verb that's maybe a bit concerning is toy toy I don't like it. Because no one ever says, you know what, we toyed with life and we feel good about ourselves. You don't have toy. We didn't get into the hands of God. We didn't make an affront to, you know, life itself. Yeah. We didn't, you know, belittle someone's humanity. No, we toyed with somebody's life and it worked out great. You know, I toyed with the idea of curing, you know, specific diseases or... I've toyed with the idea of vaccines. But I've never made them into fruition. I think that's maybe what it's talking about. Of Like, it's this concept but it has not come into fruition yet i've toyed with the idea of humans with six arms and wings why would we need we're not flying centipedes thank you yet there there's a lot of things that we have the capability of doing but that does not mean that we should do it um but like kind of going to your first thought of like that philosophical like what is the secret yeah you know there's like i personally find this bullshit where it's like the secret, like that whole book and documentary. Oh, if you're just, you know, a white privileged person who wills something into existence, you must deserve it. Right. And it's like, I don't prescribe to that because I think there's a lot of factors in which thoughts turn into actions, turns into benefits. There, there's, It's not just a, I think it, therefore I can do it, therefore it will happen. Yeah. It's There's a lot going on, especially, you know, depending on your demographic. So it's like this concept of, is it people are selling this, oh, if you do this, you're going to be able to achieve greatness. And my response to that is, let, let's let's play with this. Let's play with let's this toy. Let's toy with this. Yeah, let's toy with this. Let's enter the playroom of disaster and agony and gentrification. If it is possible, the people who can have access to it are not going to be the people who deserve it or need it the most. It's going to be the True. people that have the financial excess where they're like i want you to buy a secret yes i'll buy this secret ah yes jeeves did you buy the secret from that one person no yes they're a good secret keeper secret secret life 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 well and i think that's probably the best way for us to wrap to the beginning of the question should the answer is no case closed (laughs) no just here's the here's the title there's the title of the opinion piece here's the answer so no. we've gone from the Human Genome Project to happiness. To toys. To toys. To flying demon spiders. Yep. To the happiness. Some planets of... were in there. Then there was some happiness. There's Jeeves just... showed up for a minute. We didn't ask him anything because we're on Bing. Yep. It's been a, it's been a day. It's but, been a lot. But overall, in these scenarios that we're playing with, we're toying with, the answer is no. Look, Ivy, this is a lot for me to handle. Uh-huh. So I need to take a step back and just, like, clear my head. Alexa, play Africa by Toto. Here's Africa. Oh, God. And with that, we call it forth the absurdity. Absurdism. Real quick, who would be the best metal band to cover Africa? Okay, I don't... Nine Inch Nails. Acceptable. Cool, they're, Got like, it. They're technically industrial metal, but I would say Nine Inch Nails because I don't hate them. 
I also like the picture of like a metallic Toto from. Uh... Actually, I don't like the band Metallica, and that's because I used to play the drums. I would still do it now. There was a way to do that in the fucking city without. But your neighbors would love you. I already have a loud ass fucking cat, but my issue with Metallica is that the drummer isn't always on time, and the purpose of the drummer is to be on time. And I don't mean like arriving at events, it's just keeping <laughs> the beat of the song. Yeah. That is the purpose of the drummer, but they've pushed it over to a different musician. I think it's the bassist that keeps the time, and that's not the purpose of a bass. It's not. Bass can actually do a whole lot. It can. We can ask your dad about it. Yeah. Also, thanks again to Blues Cannons for providing their song Hometown Nights and our theme song. Thanks, Box Dad. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> but okay. let's get weird, Ivy. Okay. Let's talk about absurdity. Okay. Uh, I'll kick things off. I, in 2018, or 2019, because I forget the year, because things. Time exists. I have a number of goals I'm trying to do. A little bit different than your usual resolutions, because they're just general themes or intentions. Uh, one of them is to eat more mindfully, but another one is to try and embrace the idea of hope punk and to be more positive in my day-to-day through any means. And one of those big things is by introducing more absurdity because I know that always makes me happy and actually helps spark my optimism. Now, Ivy, you're making a very interesting face I, right now. Hope punk? I'm glad you asked. Hope punk is a, um emergent idea in media, the hopeful yet punk approach to humans improving themselves really it's a twist on utopian views of the future in science fiction uh-huh. where in utopian societies no, there are no problems they've been solved and these humans are certainly having some challenges and issues but can solve them in clever ways uh, the term punk is added to it um, to try and have a bit more of a I guess not even rebellious, but alternative approach to things. A okay. Intention that you're going to change the order and change the way we see the world and have these dramatic changes in light of challenges, but we will get through them. It is a hopeful way of the world is messed up and we're going to make it better. Okay, okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was just... It's fight the power and make people better. <laughs> this, um, this is a slight awkward tangent that I just yeah. want to bring up right now. Um, going green and being environmentally stable as an, like an individual is the most punk rock thing you can ever fucking do because it's literally sticking it to the man and breaking down industrial ties. So if anyone wants to really stick it to the man, becoming, you know, environmentally sustainable as yeah. an individual. Or just approach it. Yeah. Uh, and that's actually no, something I've start, been... No, start getting like solar panels and just strapping it on your body. Got it. Solar panel tattoos. Yep. Get the, just insert it into the skin. You'll be like a human battery. Okay. Machines from the Matrix. Yep. Okay. Um, but anyways, Hope Punk is kind of thinking of, is this punk rock of me? Is this hopeful of me? Which is a good way for me to help improve some of my thoughts when it's dark, cold days in January in Chicago. Um, yep. But touching back to the absurdity of it all, I found it really helpful throughout a lot of my life to make things interesting. I have not tried to have an easy life or even a traditionally successful one, but to have an interesting one. And it's these moments I have all throughout my life where I make a good story out of things and I have weird situations where I am coming home at 2 a.m. in the morning 
running across a bridge carrying half of a football cake because catering's weird. Um, and as I'm doing that, I'm listening to music and I'm listening to probably Toxic by Britney Spears. It's that absurdity, that weirdness, that's the icing on the cake, the catalyst to make something that could be a stressful, bewildering, just all out, honestly debilitating situation and just turn it weird. Just turn it on its head. Dan, we're, we we got the weird. We got enough weird in this closet to found a fountain of weird. Well, I, um, I want a river of weird, but go on. You're going to have to bring people to the fountain. A river, you know, goes out and it doesn't come back. Fountain renews. Or you have a community that builds itself around the river of weird. I respect that a lot. I always struggle with the concept of, like, is this too weird? I'm going to keep this to myself because it seems too weird. Um, we've talked about that before. So I think, like, I think it's definitely a good thing to be confident. Confident. I meant comfortable and confident together, but I said confident. Confident. Um, but I think, like, it's a good thing to be, you know, comfortable within your own degree of weirdness and confident with, like, how it's going to be displayed. Because that's just not something that I'm personally down for. Because it's, you know, there's always, is this too weird? It seems too weird. Gonna just rein that in. But then, you know, I make friends with people. And then I let out that weird. And then it just seems inappropriate at some times. So I'm like, I'll just keep this stored inside. And but never let it, it out. it does feel appropriate. And it'll never come out. <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully there's at least parts of it that feel more comfortable. And when you are able to be weird with somebody. Yeah, that's true. It is so affirming. But you, it, like, it takes time. For me, personally, it takes time to build up to that. It's not... Oh, certainly. Yeah. But it's a good reward. Um, I'll use a bit of a strange analogy that'll probably make sense to nobody except for if maybe my partner's listening to this. And that one dog. Uh, but actually, funny you mentioned that. It's the fact that I can just say, work, 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 to my partner at any given time, who will then say, work, 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 work. And we don't have direct intentions behind it we just kind of bork at each other it works and it's just a general catch-all green like i'll come in you know after work i'm going to her apartment and i just open the door and say bork 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 oh nice and it's, it, our, our love language in a way is borks um and it's not even like i mean we, we love dogs we also do not own a dog either of us i mean it's um, hard in the city but like there's times where we almost have conversations by just saying bork to each other. And it's this level of connection and absurdity that makes me feel so accepted right. and cared for. And it, it's a nice feel. It's a really nice feel. It's a nice deep feel. True. Um, that's a good thing. And I think one point we've kind of mentioned in, in passing here, but it's good to call out, is that I think when it comes to absurdity juxtaposition is important and having the control over it right. even though it might seem small is important you mentioned a great point about there's a huge difference between this absurdity privately listening to it on your own headphones where nobody has any idea what you're listening to right and more or your thought process yeah or when you make a more public connection to people to try and do that and that's where it gets a bit more risky right and i think like in the case of like a public connection is it's never the initial the person that initially starts it mm -hmm. it's the person that comes in and supports that in which 
that absurdism just gets accepted much oh, more. Certainly. Like, for example, you could be singing on the bus or the train, and everyone's going to be like, whatever. It's that singing guy. But the second somebody else joins in. Then it's just like a kind of a communal event. True. And especially in the rare circumstance, but rewarding when it can happen, is when that weirdness is joined in by a stranger. Somebody who doesn't know. Exactly. And then it's the third person and the fourth person, everybody else who jumps in. Yeah, it's like being at a baseball game and like... Somebody start... starts singing something. Yeah. Uh, or I've actually had this happen in weirder circumstances where... Um, I remember as a teenager, I'd play a lot of uh, a lot of video games, a lot of Halo, and there was a voice chat before the voice chat just got totally untenable. Right. And a lot of people didn't talk too much, except for like little things here and there. But I did find that if you started drinking, started singing "Small Town Girl" by Journey, <laughs> and you committed to it, after about thirty seconds, somebody else would join in. Right. And then you'd have a whole team of people just. Singing. It's a this. small town girl. This also applies to Bohemian Rhapsody. Living in a lonely world. She took the midnight train going anywhere. Exactly. But it's like, I think it takes a lot of guts to be that initial start. And I, like, I deeply appreciate the one that is secondary and causes the catalyst of a group event. Or like a group experience. Yeah, um, because it both are hard. Yeah. Um, and especially in this day and age, being that second person to join in can be a bit scary because sometimes you don't know if somebody's being fun and quirky or you're going to get some, some weird, weird, you're gonna some get crazy. Some, some weird, weird, yeah. I mean, like, and I think that's the case of more than just at this time. I think it's just there's always been the risk of, like, is it going to be fun or is it going to be weird, weird? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, absurdism. Hold let's on. Keep it weird. Let's, let's keep it weird, bros. How weird are you, bros? It's weird, bros. Well, uh, we do want to apologize very briefly for all the Alexas that we turned on throughout this show. Except we don't apologize at all. You're welcome. You're welcome, unless you don't have. A smart speaker? Yeah. Well, you can't... I mean, I'm assuming you'd have a smart speaker in that case, but, like, you don't own Africa by Toto. Or you don't have, like, an unlimited Spotify thing. So... God, I have to edit so much. I don't see that as a problem. Because you don't edit. That's true. Joking aside, though, so you don't have any problem with this. Uh-huh. question is... Do you have puns? I, I try. Avi, do you have a preference for what we'd like to pun off this week? Nope. D- dog. Dog? Dog. 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 <laughs> Today's pun off brought to you by the word dog. Bork. See? Because you can have your bork moment. You know what? Um, I appreciate dog. I like your style. We can we can work with that. Okay. So it's dog? Yeah. Uh, do I, should I keep dogging you with puns? I mean... Stop wolfing down all these problems. Stop barking at me and making me feel pressured. Oof, you're doing me a concern. Uh, I'm I'm all scared like a little puppy. Uh, we'll, look, we'll just sit, stay. We can't really roll over in this situation, but we'll roll with it. You know what? I think dog is a pretty good treat of a pun. Uh, well, it's just one hell of a bitch of a situation. 
female duck. I would probably want to wag my finger at that harsh language here. What? You don't want to lap up this creativity? I just think there's better tales we can tell. Well, just, you know, run and fetch with it. Fuck, I I don't got anything. I'm blanking right now. Hell yeah! I said dog, dog one. Okay. Dog on it? Dog, dog, there you go. Now you win. Dog on it. Anyways, that'll be it for this week. Month. We don't do this by week. (laughs) This is a month. May you bless the rains down in Africa. I bless the rains down in Africa. Until next time, I've been Dan. I've been Ivy. And this is Personal Pan, the podcast. I Are you in a metal remix of Africa by Toto? There's a lot of remixes by Africa by for Africa by Toto. Don't take the range down in Africa. Yep, just like that. I bless the rains down in Africa. I bless the rains down in Africa.